0: you are listening to overcomers church international podcast here at oci we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches from wherever you are listening we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged so i've been ministering the last couple of weeks On the word. And I'm I'm going to continue ministering down that path, but this is going to turn into a prophetic message that the Lord has really laid on my heart. And it started actually months ago and culminated last night uh, in prayer. And the Lord said, You just need to do it. So I'm going to go for it. But we've been in Mark chapter four, and we're going to pick up there, and then we're going to move quickly on to some other things. Everybody doing good today? Hallelujah. Praise God. 246 years. Tomorrow, that uh, America, uh, the reason I know that is because I Googled it earlier. I couldn't do the math in my head. So, uh, 246 years, and here's to another 246 years, America. Let's be more proper. Here's to another 246 years, America. Yeah. Amen. And I believe that God is not done with this nation, that there is more to come, that he's going to have his way, and the devil's not going to have his way. And I have people uh, often that will say, but Kent, you have to understand that the end times says that all of these things are going to happen and nations will fall and all of this stuff is going to take place. I understand that, but it's not going to happen with me blessing those actions. I'm going to take the word of the Lord. I'm going to take the work of the Lord. I'm going to take prayer and I'm going to stand against evil all of my days. That is your job as the church, stand against evil and preach the gospel. It says, for this reason, the Son of Man was manifest. This is 1 John 3, 8. This reason, the Son of Man was manifest, that he might destroy or defeat the works of darkness or the devil. It is your job. And you say, well, I'm not the Son of Man. but No, no, but you are one of the sons and daughters of God. So you have the same commission on you that Jesus did. Preach the gospel and push back darkness. The end is going to come, but that's not on your timetable. That's on God's timetable. What's on your timetable is to see evil and resist evil. That's what we're called to do. Amen. And so I believe that America has got some more in her that God says that she's going to accomplish. Hallelujah. So let's go to Mark chapter 4. And last week I talked about the paramount parable. And if you didn't hear that, you need to go back and listen to it. There's a lot of stuff that I don't have time to go back and talk about. But I do want to read a few verses that I did read last week just to do a little quick catch up here and then I'm going to move into some other things. So Mark chapter four and verse 14, and this is talking about Jesus is giving the explanation of the parable of the sower, which I call the paramount parable, because in verse 13, they asked him, they said, well, we don't understand this. Can you tell us what this means? And Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all of the other parables? So this is why I call this the Paramount Parable. If you can understand this, you can understand how his kingdom operates. It's not very good to be inside of a kingdom that you don't know how it functions. It's kind of like a lot of Americans today. They live inside of a we live inside of a kingdom, if you will, or we live inside of a Democratic republic. We are not a democracy. We are a democratic republic. We're democratic in the sense that we have the right to vote, but we are we are a republic because we have a constitution that that says we have these rights that come from God and not from man, and no man can take them away. But that's another thing for another time. But we see America in the shape that it has that it is in and has been in is because people don't know the realm of authority that they have within the country that they live in. So I believe in America, we need to come back to some understanding about the God-given, God-breathed Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, both given to us by God to govern the way that our, our country, we the people, the way that we're supposed to govern ourselves. And we get back to that, and we'll take back some things that that the evil people have, I'll just leave it at that, that the evil people have taken from us, we the people. And it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. If we understand how the kingdom operates, we can move forward with what God has and we also can take back things that the enemy has stolen from us. And so Jesus gives this parable that I call the paramount parable. Verse 14, it says, the sower sows the word. Here he gives the explanation of the parable. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear Satan comes Immediately, everybody say immediately, and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Let me say something very important here. It says, and these are the ones, by the way, just in case anyone's distracted by my shirt. I meant to start with this. Liz suggested that I wear it because it's the only thing that has red and blue, and I don't have anything with red, white, and blue on it. And Art McDowell, wherever, Art is the manliest man that I know, and he likes it, so you all can just whatever. (laughs) All right, forgive me for the rapid trail. But take note of something here. It says, and these are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear. Oftentimes, people think that the enemy is stealing the word because people aren't hearing. But that's actually not what this says. The enemy steals the word after people hear. The enemy is not going to steal something from you that you don't have in your possession. Depending on the level of uh, softness in your heart, and the level of non pollutants in your heart depend, uh, makes the difference on when and if the enemy can steal the word that is in or on your heart. So, this is very important because sometimes people think, you know, like, well, the enemy's robbing from people because, you know, they haven't heard the word. No, actually, it says that these are the ones they heard the word, but because of the hardness of their heart, that word was not able to penetrate, and the enemy came and immediately stole. The word. Verse 16, it says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. Very important. Immediately they stumble. I believe it's the King James says, Immediately they are offended. Let me tell you something that I have really learned from my own walk and just just ministering over the years is that oftentimes people will hear something and go, that's for me. Praise God. And they walk out of the service, they get done reading their Bible, and they go out and they're like, I got a word from God. Anybody ever had a word from God that you're like, this is going to change my life? And then what happens is you go out and you begin to... Expect uh, some manifestation. You expect to see some produce from that, from that word. And you'll start to see something sprout up, and you're like, yes, this is awesome. And then what happens is that persecution and different things come. The, 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 the winds and, and the hot sun and the different things come, and it destroys the crop. How is it able to destroy the crop? Because there was no root there. And so when it comes to getting a word from God, we have to make sure that word, as a matter of fact, if you see something spring up fast, it's probably a sign that there's not good root. Most of the time, the things that spring up slow are developing roots underground. I think this is why Paul said when he got the gospel that he didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood because he knew that the people that would come against him would hate the produce in his life. So he allowed the roots to go deep in terms of the gospel, and so he was careful to share it until it was really rooted in him. When we get a word from the Lord, we have to make sure that word is rooted in us. And it's interesting, and I've, I've experienced this a lot in my own life, to where God will give me something, and then I don't see it, and then I become offended. I've learned over the years to not live in offense, but a lot of people really, really struggle to not be offended. They're offended at God. They're offended at their pastor. Which I don't know how you could be offended at me, but anyways. Uh, they're offended at whatever leader they have. They're offended at their spouse. They're offended at their kids. And, and just offense grows in their heart, and it's really just a root of bitterness. And before you know it, they're offended at everything. Why? Because they didn't see the thing come to pass or they started to see it come to pass, and then it withered away. Why did it wither away? Because it wasn't a true word? No, because they didn't allow it to take root in their heart. And so persecution came. Why? For the word's sake. Because if the enemy can come and bring things at you to steal the word from you, then he's won. See, if the enemy can, if, if he can't take the word, he can't have anything. If he can have the word, he can have anything. The devil doesn't care about your washing machine. He doesn't care about your car or your transmission. He do not care how much money you have in the bank. The only thing he cares about is are you going to believe God to see those things restored? Because all you need is faith in God. You don't need anything else. I mean, you need grace because grace supplies all of your needs, right? But all you need is to put faith in his grace and you'll have, you'll have whatever it is that you need. So if the enemy can steal something, if he can rob from you, if he can come against you, he'll do it for the sake of getting your heart offended so you'll stop believing God. This is just like the disciples when they went to cross over, and Jesus said, We're gonna cross over on the other side. Remember this? And then he was asleep in the boat. You ever been around people that they're just so relaxed in the middle of everything going on? I, I've naturally I haven't been that relaxed person. I'm learning to, I'm learning to be more like Jesus, amen. But I haven't been that relaxed person, and I've been the one that would be to the relaxed person, like, what's wrong with you? Can't you see that this is going on? Get up and do something. And the disciples, they were, they were offended at him because he was relaxed and trusting in the word of the Lord, and he wasn't moved by the circumstances. So if you're in the midst of the circumstances and it's undoing you, it's a sign that you're not trusting in the Lord, and the, the word of the Lord isn't really rooted in you, And so you become undone, and when you become undone, amen. Okay, verse 18, and I'm I'm moving on here and just hitting some things quick, and then I'm going to get into what I I really need to share with you. It says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Notice every one of these things, they all hear the word, but there's a difference between hearing the word and producing something with what you've heard. Now these are the ones sown among thorns when they... are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I want you to take notice of something. Everything that happens in this life is all about the word. It's all about the seed that God has placed in you. And we could go through the Bible and look at tons of of examples of this, but one of those things would have been Abraham. God gave Abraham, and the Bible says that he is he is really our, the father of faith. He's the example of faith. He's the one that God said, this is true, even though there was no natural manifestation. There was nothing in the natural to, to prove that it was true, yet God said it was true. And because God said it was true, it was true, but there was a period of time between when God spoke and then that thing actually came into manifestation. So he is our example of faith. But you know that Abraham, he had some things come against him. And so he ended up getting out in the flesh, and that's where Ishmael came from. And so this was an example. Abraham was an example, and the whole situation with Hagar and Ishmael, for those of you that don't know, God said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. He was too old to have kids. His wife was too old to have kids, but he had this promise from God, and he wasn't seeing it come to pass. So in his mind, he put a timetable on what God was able to do. And he said, okay, this isn't happening, so I'm going to have to do something to make it happen. So then he procreated with Sarah, his wife's maidservant, Hagar, and they produced Ishmael. And I'm not going to get into what Ishmael is and all of what it is, but it's a work of the flesh. And when we stop believing God and stop sticking with what God said, the enemy will cause us to try to do things to stay busy producing what God said on our own instead of trusting in what he said and allowing faith in his grace to produce the thing. We must stay at a place where we continue to trust the Lord in his favor on the word that he's given us to see the thing come to pass. There's so much that I could say in all that, but I must move on. Hallelujah. The enemy is always after the word. Now, this. Is, so let's read verse 20, and then we're going to go over to Luke chapter 8. But here in verse 20, it says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold." And we're going to go over to Luke 8. And we're gonna to go to Matthew chapter 13, all right? Luke 8 and Matthew 13. As a matter of fact, let's read Matthew uh, 13 and verse uh, 19. And I wanna say this about this parable uh, as a whole. This is really important. And this account is in Mark chapter 4. And just hang with me here for a couple minutes, and I'm gonna bring this all together. This account is in Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew 13, and it's in Luke chapter 8. It's mentioned three times in the Bible. To me, when Jesus mentions something one, t- one time, it's extremely important because Jesus said it. But when he says it three times, when it's recorded three times, I should say it that way, he's very emphatically saying, I want you to get what it is that I'm telling you to get here. So in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to go to verse uh, 19, I, wanna, I want you to see something here. So Matthew records something just a little bit different or some other words that Mark didn't include and Luke didn't include, but he says something here that's very important. Matthew 13 and in verse 19, it says, when anyone hears, now this is, he's giving the same thing I just read when Jesus gave the description of the parable of the sower, this is Matthew's recording of the same thing I just read from, from Mark. Does everybody understand that? Okay. Okay. But he says something a little bit different here. This is really important. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So this isn't just about the word. But this is a parable about the kingdom of God and how it operates. This is very, very important that we get this. It's not just about the word. It is about that. You can take anything from the word of God. It can become revelation to you. You put it in you, and you watch that seed produce what God says that it will produce. Amen. But in particular, Matthew says and records that Jesus said, these are the words of Jesus, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart, that is he who receives seed by the wayside. So now let's go to Luke's account in Luke 8, and I want to look at verse 15. And this is where Luke is wrapping up this parable of the sower and giving explanation as to how the seed or the word of the kingdom comes about. It says, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now it's interesting because Luke gives more explanation as to how It actually comes to pass. So here's the whole deal. The word is sown. It's a picture of a person going and just sowing the word with a bag. Back in the day, they would have walked and they would have just thrown seed out like that. And depending upon the type of ground that that seed fell on was the difference on whether that seed produced or not. And so it fell on one of four different types of grounds. It fell on the wayside where the birds of the air, and because it was hard, the birds of the air immediately came and they snatched it away. The enemy came and stole that word. Or it fell on stony ground, which meant that there were some rocks mixed in with the soil, so it couldn't really produce any, any depth or, or roots there. And it sprang up, but then immediately they, they lost the, the, the produce or the product. Because there was no roots there. The third type of ground, which was among thorns, is where the ground was soft because it was producing other things. There were thorns growing up there. And so this is where a lot of people get tripped up. They're like, oh, my Lord, my my heart is so soft and tender towards you. And it is. And so they are willing to receive anything and everything that, that the Lord has. But at the same time, they have other things growing in their field that are producing with the word. And if they don't get rid of the things that are producing with the word that are sent by the enemy to destroy the word, it will destroy the word. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the life of the word. Those are the first three types of ground. Then you move into the fourth type of ground. And here is the fourth type of ground. It's the good soil. Luke gives us understanding as to how to produce the seed in your life. Who wants to know how to produce it? Hallelujah. So here are five things that you need. And if we can just leave that verse up there because we're going to reference it. Here are five things that you need to hear, that you need to know concerning this. I'm going to give you five. These are going to be five key words, okay? This is how you produce. So first of all, you hear. And then we're going we're to use this word, noble, good, good. And then I'm going to write the word endurance, which most translations say patience, but I'm going to fix that in just a moment. So let's go back with those in mind. Let's go back and hear this and read this again. Everybody doing okay? Okay. You're just, you're just tuned in. It says, but the ones that fell on the good ground, I just I want to stop for a second and I want you to, to see something. He says that this is the most important parable out of, all the, out of all the parables because, he says, if you don't understand this, you can't understand anything else. And then he goes on and he says, here are the things that will bring destruction to the word that will keep the word from happening in your life because all we need is a word from God. You get a word from God, man, you can do anything that God wants you to do. If you don't have a word from God, you're going to find yourself doing things that you want to do. I don't know about you, but I want to be found doing what God wants me to do. You know, I told Liz this uh, the other day. I said... For people, I'll see people sometimes that they don't seek the Lord on on what God has for them. They just go through life. They just meander through life. And I said, I both feel bad for them and envy them at the same time. Because if you don't have a word from God, you don't have any. I'm I'm not talking about just being like, well, Jesus, I believe you. That's a good place to start. But I'm talking about God, what is the mandate on my life? What do you have for me? And I will run hard and fast with anything that you give me, anything that you tell me. I will obey you to the, all the way to the end. That, that's what I'm talking about. If you don't have that, then you're not responsible with something that you don't know. So <laughs> in that sense, I, I hate to use the word envy, but in that sense, I, I envy people like that because they just go through life and they just kind of, case, whatever will be, will be. But I feel very bad for people that are like that because they're going to get to the end of their life. And I'm not talking about a heaven and hell issue here. They're going to get to the, I'm talking about believers. They're going to get to the end of their life. And the Lord's going to say, why didn't you seek what I had for you? I don't want to stand before the Lord. See, to me, heaven is and, and the Lord and eternal things are so real in my heart. It's what drives me every day of my life. Every day of my life, I'm like, Lord, what do you have? and I don't do it perfect. I'm still still walking it out. But every day of my life, it's, Lord, what do you have? I can't just coast through life. So when I get a word from the Lord, I'm like, what do I need to do to see it come to pass? I'm going to teach you how to see it come to pass. But these are the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard First, you have to hear. If you don't hear, and you're hearing today, amen, you're hearing the word. If you don't hear the word, then you can't know the word and you can't do anything with it. And whatever the word is, is the thing that God's speaking to you. So first, you have to hear the word with a noble and good heart, keep it, and bear fruit with patience. Now, I'm not going to write all of this down here, but I'm going to go through these very quickly so I can show you what what these mean. First of all, you have to hear the word. You understand what, what that means to, to hear the word. You know, you can listen and not hear. You can be listening to the sound of my voice and not be hearing anything that I'm saying right now. A few of you might be there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but how many of y'all know that you can do that? It's kind of like, you know, wives when you're talking to your husband, you know, and he's, he's, he's listening to what you're saying, but he's not really hearing. He's not really catching the heart of what it is that you're saying. We can do the same thing with God. You ever read in the Bible, and you got through a chapter or two chapters or three chapters or whatever it was and you're like what in the world did I just read you just read because you were you were doing it because you knew it was right but you didn't really hear anything that was being said you have to you have to be at a place to where you're not just listening but you you're you're tuned in to what's being said next thing is is that are those who having a a noble and a good heart and you say what in the world does that mean noble speaks of and this without going into a lot of um Depth here. Let me say this: Noble speaks of integrity. Good speaks of uh, of character. And so, when you think about somebody with a noble and good heart, you think about what are they doing with what they heard? Because you could go from listening to hearing, but then not do anything with what you listened and heard. And this is this verse is a um, is the key to seeing what God says come to pass. I don't want just words from God anymore. I want the word from God that will propel us into what God has for us. And so if something isn't manifesting, if it's not taking place, it's not God. It's not His word. This, this puts all the authority back on us to realize that when God speaks something, he intends for it to come to pass. We have to steward that seed. We have to steward that word. So you can hear something, but not have a noble and good heart. Well, what does noble mean? Noble means uh, like having integrity. Good means, now this is really, really important. Good means has to do with character, but it has to do with flexibility. And what I would call this is a combination of without going into all the explanation of it, just receive this and then you can go back and look at it, is uh, obedience. Let me say it like this. So this is, noble is obedience. And then good is (laughs) willingness. And what does it say in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19? Let's pull Isaiah 1 and 19 up here. And let's look at what it says here. Isaiah 1 and 19. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. I've had the Lord speak things to me many times. That I mean, I, every day the Lord speaks things to me. But when he gives me directions to do stuff, and I'm dealing with some things right now to where I determined in my, in my heart when I was just a young man that I'll always obey God. Now, I haven't always obeyed God perfectly, but my heart is set And that that whatever God tells me to do, I will obey him. You know where the Lord has had struggle with me is being willing. You ever had a kid, you know, for those of you that are parents, you have a kid and you're like, I need you to go do this. And you know that they're going to obey you, but they really are not really willing to do that. It's kind of like when you have, you know, like, go pick up your toys, and they go and do it, and, but you hear them, like, slamming things in the drawers and just tossing things here and there. They're doing it, but they're not really willing to do it. If you are obedient and not willing, you will not eat the fruit of the land. Why? Because this is a, this is a recipe. This, if you want to call it, a, people sometimes are like, I don't believe in formulas. Well, sometimes God gives formulas in the Word for how things work. It says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land or eat the fruit of the land, some translations say. You have to have both of those things. So here's the deal. If the Lord gives you something, and see, whenever the Lord gives a word, faith without works is dead. You don't have to perform for God, before God for God to do anything, but you do have to act and move on a word that God gives you if you're going to see it come to pass. Because anybody that says that they have faith for something and they have no actions to back up that faith, they have a dead faith. So if you say that, Lord, I believe what you told me, and I want to see the word that you gave me actually come to pass in my life, you have to not only be obedient, but you also have to be willing. You have to not only be willing, but you have to be obedient. Because sometimes people can be willing. They're like, oh God, I'll do anything for you. And their intentions are good, but they don't have follow through. So then they have willingness and they don't have obedience. We have to have both willingness and obedience and that's having a noble and a good heart. This word keep here is the next thing in line. And this is what's in going back to Luke 8 and 15. It says those who, who keep it Uh, And bear fruit with patience to keep something. This is oftentimes the, the, the fork in the road that people have. Because you can hear a word, you can be willing and obedient to do the word, but sometimes when you carry that word and you continue carrying it and you don't see the manifestation of what that word produces, you will come to a fork in the road often put there by the devil, and you make a decision as to whether you're going to let that word go or you're going to keep that word that came from God and continue running with it. This is like you have to see this because if you see this and you really apply this and you really apply it, not only will you see manifestation, but it will eliminate every ounce of frustration between when you say, Amen, God. And there it is. And sometimes the, diff, the, the, the distance between amen or the time between amen and the manifestation can be a really long time. But if God gave it to you, and it really was truly a word from God. Now, sometimes people will be like, God told me to do X, Y, Z, and they, they just missed it. We have to be willing to humble ourselves and go back and go, I missed it there. I've had to do that. That's, that's part of That's part of just growing up and learning how to follow the Lord and hear his voice. Anybody that's not willing to do that, they value their pride more than they do his grace. Because God gives grace to the humble. Grace will always cover your mistakes and empower you to move in the direction God wants you to move in. But as long as anybody were to stay in pride and be like, oh no, I heard from God. And they continue, you know, two years, five years, ten years down a path that God never gave them based on a word that God never gave them. They're going to find themselves living frustrated and fruitless because they're not really going from a place that God had for them. Imagine if Abraham had not humbled himself and recognized that Ishmael was not God's plan. We never would have had Isaac. Isaac never would have come about. It would have, but it would have been somebody else. It would have been like Jedediah or somebody. We'd be saying Jedediah is the father of faith. God would have used somebody else. You know what? I, I heard the Lord say this. This is scary. Some, sometimes the Lord will tell you stuff. For shock factor, and because it's true, I'll never tell you something that's not true. But he told me one day I was having a deal. This is years ago, I was having to deal with a really, really difficult situation, and I was just like, Just, just it was. I was groaning. I literally was groaning in the spirit over the thing. And the Lord spoke to me, and what I wanted to hear was, "It's okay, son. It's okay. Everything will be okay." He didn't tell me that though. He said, "If you don't do it, I'll find somebody else." And I was thinking at that moment, I was like, it was a fork in the road for me because I already knew what the Lord told me to do. And I was thinking, I don't want, and I know that the Lord, if I didn't do it, that the Lord would rearrange and things would work out. But I was thinking, I don't want to be before the Lord one day and him go, why didn't you obey me? And I said, well, because I was afraid (laughs) or because I just didn't trust you and those go hand in hand. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the one that even if I fail, I fail obeying God. There's no grace for not doing something. There's grace to do something. And the grace for you to do what God's told you to do includes covering your mistakes. Thank God for that. (laughs) Who in here needs grace upon grace? It says in Zechariah that the capstone will be placed on, and it was talking about the rebuilding of the temple. It says the capstone will be placed on there with shouts of grace, grace. When you do the thing that God's telling you to do, if it was really of God, if it's of you, you could go back and go, well, thank you, Jesus. But if you get to the end and it was really of God, you'll go, oh, thank you, Jesus. You saw me from the beginning to where we're at now, and you and I both know that I didn't have the stuff to do what you told me to do, but your grace covered, it covered, it covered, it covered, it covered, it covered. Man, I think... I thank God for the grace of God. So we have to be willing to keep it. And here's his last word it says, to bear fruit. Oh, don't you just wish it said just bear fruit? I mean, come on, let's just, let's just have some biblical honesty here. Don't you wish that it just said bear fruit? I do, because then it would leave out the whole like waiting and enduring and the patience and all of that kind of thing. But it doesn't say that. It says to bear fruit with patience. Now, if you're reading, this is the New King James. If you're reading that out, you can, go, you're reading that, you can go ahead and cross that out in your Bible because patience is a horrible translation, especially for our culture because when we think patience, we think, I'm just going to kind of hang out and just wait until God makes this thing come to pass. But that's not what it's saying at all because you can be waiting and not be in faith, but you can't be enduring and not be in faith. Thank you. I was looking for the amen. You can be waiting and not be in faith. You ever waited and worried? Come on now. A few chuckles because we've all been there. But if you're enduring, you're in faith and you're trusting the Lord all the way until the time that it it happens. Now, this word endure here is the Greek word uh, hupomene. It's one of my favorite phrases, Greek phrases, Greek words in the whole Bible because I know every Greek phrase in the Bible, <laughs> but this one really, the word really helped me get a hold of this, and it's the it's Greek word, hoopomene. and in, in uh, Rick Renner, anybody that knows who Rick Renner is, probably the best Greek Hebrew scholar teacher that there is. He's incredible, and so he said the definition, the best rendering of the Greek word, hoopomene. so what I'm saying is that if you go and you clicked on this word, patience, which should have been in the English language language translated endurance, would have been a better fitting word for us. But if you go click on it, using the Strong's Concordance, it will say hupomene. And what Rick says is the best way to describe hupomene is hang in their power. So in James, it uses the same Greek word, and it says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance or hupomene. So when you go through things and you hang in there, it works in you. And if you go and study it out, it's talking about a working from the top down, meaning that God's the one that's working that ability in you to be able to hang in there. And some of the times the reason we don't see the manifestation as quick as we want to And I'm not talking about things that we have authority over. I'm talking about things of life, things, paths, purposes, things that God's called us into, ministry, different things. Often the reason we don't step into it as quickly as we would like to is because we haven't developed the strength to hang in there. And if God brought us into the thing that he has for us before we are ready, it would crush us because we don't have the strength to muster it. I, I, I both love and hate the song, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer, And then the rest of it is just garbage. That's even pretty much garbage too. But the Lord doesn't, he doesn't work in like unanswered prayers. That's kind of stupid. But how many times have we prayed for something? And I, I mean, Liz and I live this like every month. We're like, I prayed for that five years ago. I'm so thankful I didn't have that because it would have ruined me. There has to come to a place to where we have the capacity to handle the more that God has for us. This is very important. We have to develop the capacity to be able to handle the more that God has for us. And when it's talking about in this passage, and this is where I'm going to go for a few minutes, I'm going to give you a prophetic word, the church. This will include for you personally and for the church as a whole. But if we don't have the capacity for what God has for us, then we're not ready to step into what he has for us, and it will hinder us stepping into what he has for us. And I know that there are things that are in God's timing, but there are also things that God is waiting on us to grow and become strong in so that we can handle the more that he has. And I'm going to tell you something that's getting ready to happen. So if you go back to Mark's account, let's go back to Mark four and 20. Let me show you this because you have to take all of these things in context to get the full picture of the parable of the sower. So in Mark chapter four, and I believe it's in verse 20, he talks about, here it is, it says, and this is the same, he's talking about the same thing here, but this is Mark's account. It says, those who hear the word accepted and bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. Now I used to read this and think, well, if I'm not, you got to hear me. I used to read this, and I know most people have done this. They've read this, and they've thought, if I'm not bearing 100, then I must be doing something wrong. There must be something wrong with the soil of my heart. Or if if I'm only bearing 60 and not 100, if I'm only bearing 30 and not 60, something is wrong. I've got contaminants in my heart. But no, if you go back and remember, we're not going to do this, but there are four different types of heart. This type of heart is good soil. There are no contaminants in it. It doesn't have any stones in there. It's not hardened. It's good soil. But it says some produce 30, some 60, and some 100. I've heard different teachings on this about what this means. Um, And a lot of times people say, well, it's 30 times or 60 times or 100 times. Here's what I really believe that it means, is I believe that it means the potential or the capacity of what that heart is able to produce that that seed has to offer. So it's kind of almost like if you have a seed to sow, and you have enough seed to produce for the whole world, but you only have 10 acres because you only own 10 acres. Can you produce crop all over the world or just 10 acres? Only with 10 acres. Does that mean your 10 acres is bad? No, it can be great soil. It can be perfect soil. It can be the best soil, but you still only have 10 acres. 10 acres is your capacity. But you know what? When the neighbor's land next to you or down the road comes for sale, you could buy, we'll use 30, 60. You've got 30 acres, right? And comes for sale, and then you can buy uh, another 30 acres, and now you've got 60 acres. What happened? Your capacity expanded. Now, what would happen to the next 30 acres that you bought to give you 60 if that 30 had contaminants in it, but your original 30 was really good? What would happen? The, the original that was in good condition would produce, but the one that had contaminants in it would actually stop. Why? Was the seed different in both places? No, the seed was the same in both places, but one set of, of, uh, one set of soil, one ground was ready to receive it where the other one was not. So then what happens? Do you need to get more land? No. You need to continue to take care of your original 30. Then you need to take care of your other 30. Once you take care of your other 30 properly, then what happens? Your capacity increases. More will come to you. Then you, get, you go up to 100, and whatever figures you want to use. I think this is profound. So it's not, it's not an issue of whether your heart is good or bad. It's a matter of your capacity. And this is what I'm going to tell you is getting ready to happen. This is a prophetic word from the Lord, and you can take it to the bank. And if I'm wrong, I will admit it. But I'm not wrong, I can tell you. And I don't know how long this time period is, but I know and that I know that I know that I know in my knower that we as a church, and the good thing is is that if you are part of this church, if you only attend and you're not really part of the family, you need to become a part of the family and stop just attending. There's a difference between a spectator and a builder. I'll go into that another time. But it's very important that you are tied to what God is doing here because you are going to reap the benefits of the increase that is on this house. This is a house of increase. This is a house of more. This is a house of plenty. This is a house of blessing. And you are going to receive what God has for you. And what's getting ready to happen is that we were, this, there was a time period where I was praying and asking the Lord, like, Lord, where are we at as a church? Where are we at with this? And the Lord began to show me that, I was, that we were in the 30 realm. So we were doing good. We have good soil here, but our capacity was relatively small. And I, I, I wasn't 100% certain that I heard that. And then we had this uh, one prophet. I don't know if you heard of him, Joseph Z, I'm um, kidding. you all heard of him. But anyways, we were, we were in, um, a, a group of us were together, and I hadn't said any of this stuff to him, and he said, he talked about the 30, 60, and the 100, and he said, this church is at the 30. And I was both excited and upset at the same time. I was excited because I'm like, God, there's more. But then I realized we worked really, really, really hard to get to the 30. But this is what the Lord has showed me. We have stewarded the 30 very well, and we're getting ready to move into the 60. I'm telling you, get ready. It's coming. And this is what this looks like, okay? So you've got, and this is not going to be to scale, but it's just how I can do. You've got 30, you've got 60, and then you've got 100, all right? So this is 30, 60, and 100. Now, here's something that's very interesting. People say, well, is that all, once you get to 100, are are you like, are you done? Remember, and I read this in Matthew, we read this in Matthew, that this is the word of the what? The kingdom. It's the word of the kingdom. It says, in fact, let's read there very quickly Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. This is what it says about his kingdom or about his government. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. It says, For unto us, and this is a prophecy about Jesus coming, for unto to us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Which government? Is it talking about the United States government or Rome or something? No. It's just talking about the government, the kingdom of God, will rest upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end as far as we are willing to stretch our capacity to have what god has for us that's how far god will take us and here's what's getting ready to increase this is what the lord showed me i know praise god we have been in the realm of his authority we have established we have established kingdom authority right here in this place in bonterre <laughs> We are working to establish there. And once authority is established, it leaves room for the operation to take place. This church operates at a very high level. I'm not saying that's all because of me. I'm just saying because we've worked and we've, we've filled the capacity that's God, that God has given us. And I'm telling you, if you're tied to this, this will affect your life and your family. You'll reap the benefits of it. That's the, that's, the church is not just an organization, it's, it's a group of people that come together that make up a family, that make up an organization, that make a, up a governmental system, that make up the army, all of that. And this is going to affect your life as well. And so whenever, it's just kind of like in the, the realm of authority releases blessing, it releases favor, it releases order, it releases things to be set right, it releases more of whatever is in the DNA of the key, of the. The kingdom that that authority represents. Whatever is in the DNA of that kingdom, authority releases what's in the DNA of that kingdom. You come into my house, that's my realm of authority. Same for your house. That's your realm of authority. Whatever is going on there is going on there. It could be good, bad, or indifferent. Whatever's going on there is going on because you have the authority to determine what happens. We have established authority. Here's what's going to happen next, is we're going to have increased anointing. I'm telling you, the Lord showed me this, and you go, well, I can't find that in there. I'm telling you, the Lord revealed this to me, and he said, this is what's coming. There's increased anointing that's coming. We have anointing here, but I'm telling you, when we move into the 60, there's increased anointing. And when we move into the 100, there's going to be increased glory. This is the realm of glory. And you say what are those things? I thought they were all the same thing. No, authority is God working with you. Anointing is God working through you, but glory is God working without you in the midst of you. So there's going to there's going to come a time and what's what's going to happen is the anointing is going to increase. And as the anointing increases, it releases more things. So anointing is like this. It's like you know, if you've got, uh, if you've got a, a, a yoke, because the Bible says that the anointing breaks the yoke, and when you think about a yoke on something, it, it binds it, it constrains it. Have you ever felt constrained in an area, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm liberated, I'm free. How many of y'all are still believing God to be more liberated and more free? I'm believing for you, and I'm believing for this church, and the anointing is, is increasing, and it increased before, and that's how we stepped into the, to what we have now. We met this pastor. is the only pastors that I've ever met that said the same thing. Van and Regina. The only pastors that I've ever met that said the same thing. They said, we don't have people bicker and fight and, you know, get mad and offended and do all that stuff. They said, we just don't allow that stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're speaking our language. Because we fought for years to have peace in this place. The increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. And it just, it just came like when authority gets established then people don't buck the system. And there was, there was a while to where authority was being established, and people were like, well, I want it to be my way, and I don't like what you said, and all this stuff. And it came to, to a point when the Holy Ghost removed enough people that were pain in the butts. You better be ca- careful coming against the established authority of the Lord. I'm just telling you, you better be careful doing that. It's not, that is not a good thing to do. And I don't I didn't have to do hardly any of it. I was just like, no, we're gonna walk in love here. And when people chose not to walk in love, I'm like, you can't do you're not that's not allowed here. I mean, you're talking about spiritual jail time is what you're talking about. You wanna go out and and do some heinous act of crime or something like that out in the realm of Perryville? The Perryville police or the the Perry County police, they're gonna pick you up and they're gonna throw your tail in, in jail. Why? Because you can't just go around and do stuff. You can't just go around and just And here, and just not love on people? I mean, you don't have to be the most loving person, but you can't be divisive, is my point. Divisive people, they don't last here. Sometimes people look around, they're like, oh, if it's so great, how come we don't have a a 1,000 people? Because if we did, 900 of them would probably be divisive. I care more about the quality of what we're doing than the quantity of what we're doing. Quantity will come, but it cannot be at the expense of, of quality. So we we heard these people, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're speaking my language. Because we've gotten to this point, and it's only by the grace of God, it's not because I'm anybody special, but we fought for it. This, if you want to go from here to there and there to here, you have to fight for it. It takes work. But I'm willing to put in the work because I want to see the best that God has for us. And there's a realm of, of the anointing that we're going to step into where we're going to see miracles like we have believed God for. We're going to see healing like we have been believing God for. We're going to see things begin to manifest on different levels that we have believed God for. We're gonna see evangelistic anointing. We're gonna see prophetic anointing. We're gonna see healing anointing. We're gonna see anointing flow from this place like we have not seen before. Blind eyes will be open. Deaf ears will be open. People will come out of wheelchairs. The dead will be raised. Amazing things are going to happen because the anointing is what breaks the yoke of bondage off of people. We have stewarded the small well. We are giving more. We're going to be given more. We're in the process of getting more from God to steward and to manifest because we've done very well with what we've had. And if you want to have more, this goes back to the parable of the the talents he gave one to one. I know I'm going along, but hang in there with me. He gave one to one. He gave two to another, and he gave five to another. Why? Because the one was really only by grace, because he knew, he knew what that one would do, but he gave him grace anyways. Anybody that will step up and do something for the Lord, there's grace there to have one talent. Even if you messed it up 500 times before, God will still, he'll give you another talent to see what you do with it. But he's only going to give you one to see what you do. The one that got two, I believe he had already proven himself faithful with the one. And the Lord said, you know what? Now you're ready for more. The master said, now you're ready for more. The one that got five, why did he get five? Because he was faithful with the two. And so now he stepped into having more. This applies to you personally, and it also applies to churches corporately, the congregation together. We've been faithful with the one. We're going to step into the two. We're stepping into the more. I'm telling you, we're on a journey that is just unbelievable. And I hope you can see what I'm saying, what I'm laying down here. This is, this is like more than I would normally throw out, maybe on a Sunday morning, maybe not. I don't know. It's kind of who I am. But I really believe that we're supposed to not be leading from behind, but leading forward, moving forward, pushing forward. And taking things that God has said that that rightly belong to us. We are land bearers and land acquisition, both spiritually and naturally, is in our DNA. We will by all means possess the land. We will possess the natural land that God says belongs to us, and we will possess in a very good, godly way the hearts and minds of people, not in some weird thing. I can see that, "Mm, this guy taking it in one little clip and they blow it all out. We're not looking to possess people, okay? But God is after the hearts and the minds of people, and he's going to use us to be able to capture their hearts with the goodness and the blessing of God. Increase is upon us. More, 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 more is upon us. We will not shrink back. We will not look back. We're going to keep moving forward to what God has. And there's going to come a day when we are in the anointing and we operate in the realm of the anointing, and there's still authority there, and there's glory. There's glory in this church right now. You want to know the measure of glory? To me this is this is the best way I know how to depict glory. There's different things you could say about it, but again it's when God works in the midst of you without you. The anointing requires you to like like a submission to the Lord. All these require submission, but it's like a submission to the Lord and then the Lord's flowing through you and the anointing gets released and it breaks things off. Whether you've got a prophetic anointing or a teaching anointing, what I'm doing right now, whatever that looks like, it causes yokes to break off. But the glory is when you just come in because you've been submitted, you come in and things just, God just works. He just does things in your midst. I'm going to tell you a measure of glory we have in this church is the love that's here. People, person after person after person after person after person come in and they say, I just feel so loved when I come here. I just feel, people just love, I think it's genuine. They just genuinely love me. And you can feel the presence of God here. You know what that is? That's a realm of glory. And we've been faithful with it, and I'm telling you folks, more is coming. There will come a time, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, I really genuinely believe this, there will come a time when we'll see the glory cloud just appear in here. You may not feel anything beforehand, but it will just appear. But we'll never seek after a sign. We'll only seek after him. We won't ignore it. I mean, I think that'd be stupid if the glory cloud showed up and you're like, oh, Jesus, we're just after you. You know, uh, (laughs) he's not a glory cloud, although he will manifest that way at times. And so we have to make sure that we don't ever get after seeking after a sign. But these are the benefits. And the blessing and the favor that comes when the authority and the kingdom reality is expanded. I don't just want the 30. I want the 60 and I want the 100. And to be honest with you, I think there's 500. I think there's a 1,000. I think there's 10,000. I think there's a million. And I think there's infinity because of the increase of his kingdom, of his government. There is no end to it. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.